Well, good morning, church. How are we doing today? Everybody good? Get a little extra sleep, third service. We are so glad that you are here. I want to take just a second. And if you could help join me in welcoming all of our locations, give them a huge hand clap to Cape Coral, Janesville, those joining us online, City First Anywhere, and give a big holler for God Behind Bars, Dixon and Hardy. We love you guys. And those joining us on the Pando app, we love having you be a part of City First Church. Well, we are in the last week of our series called Strong in Broken Places. And this has been such an incredible series full of encouraging messages that have been just full of hope. And if you've missed any of the last three weeks, I really want to encourage you to watch those messages. You can go on our website, YouTube, or the app to to view those. And we've been talking about being strong in broken places, obviously, but we've, the last three weeks, talked about three different areas of brokenness that we experience um, in our world. The first one is our brokenness in our relationship relationship with God. The second was brokenness in our relationship with ourselves. The third was brokenness in relationship with others. And today, um, I want to talk about a third area of brokenness, and that is our relationship with brokenness itself. Because all of us are broken, amen? Because we live in a broken world. I don't know if anybody's noticed that recently, right? We live in a broken world. We live amidst hurt and pain and struggle. There's sickness and disease. There's abuse and wars and famines, human trafficking. There's depression and anxiety, addiction. There's death and sadness And you're thinking, I'm so glad I came to church today to hear about all these things. But we do, right? We have personal struggles. But then we also live amongst humanity, right, where there are struggles that everyone deals with. So needless to say, there is a lot of brokenness, and we live with it every single day. And it reminds me, living in this world reminds me of this meme, okay? This is a throwback meme, but it's one of my favorites of all time. Let's go ahead and take a look at it. It says, me looking outside to see what chapter of Revelation we're doing today. Because isn't that the way? Does anybody else feel that way? You like get out of bed, you're like, all right, what you got for me, world? Because it's crazy, right? But as believers, I have good news. Because scripture says that Jesus will return and this world will be made right. It will be made right. And we hear that in Revelation chapter 21, verses 3 and 4. And it says this. It says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. And they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more, neither shall, shall, there, shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. This is what we have to look forward to. Does anybody else read that and think, okay, God, I'm ready <laughs> anytime now, right? I'm ready for no more tears, no more mourning, no more pain and suffering, Someday, that will be our reality. No more brokenness. But for now, we live in the between. 
We live in the between of now, here and now, and the no more tears. We live there. So how do we navigate this relationship with our broken world? The things that we carry that are heavy, the burdens that we carry ourselves, and oftentimes for others. And as we are on this journey, this pilgrimage, you could say, from here to the no more tears, how do we live in this between of of life is really difficult, right? But I know Jesus is coming back. This, the here of like, I don't understand why I'm walking through this, right? But I know God is good. Or the, I don't know why this happened, but I so want to trust God. Like we live in this between because There's so many stories that we're walking through. There's the divorce. There's the loss. There's the wayward child, the disappointment, the heaviness, the fear, the desire for justice, the struggle that we live in in this world. And this is what I know to be true, that all of these things are found in our church here at City First Church. Because even this week, you guys submitted prayer requests last week, and I opened up the email that had all of these prayer requests, and there were dozens and dozens of heavy prayer requests. I scrolled and scrolled and scrolled to get to the bottom. I was like, there's so many heavy things that people are walking through. So this relationship with brokenness isn't hyperbole. It's here in this room. It isn't out there somewhere. It's here. Because we live in a broken world. And in this between, many Christians, i found, can sometimes fall into one of two categories. The first is they can get stuck in the ditch of denial or the ditch of despair when we're handling these heavy things. The ditch of denial and the ditch of despair. Let's talk first about the ditch of denial because we're really good with this whole denial thing in church. (laughs) We pretend that everything is okay. And oftentimes in church, we feel like if we're honest with what is going on and what we're carrying, that somehow that is a lack of faith. That's just not true. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. We feel as though we need to have it all together to come into the house of God. Like if all of my problems were in a suitcase and I was walking in the front door, oftentimes we feel like we'd have to leave that suitcase at the front door, come into service and, and, and praise God, and then as we walk out into the rest of our week, we pick up our luggage. It's like stuck with the bus boy out in the front, right? And we got to pick it up and then we go back into our day. That's, not, that's called living in denial. That's the ditch of denial. And that's not what the church of Jesus Christ is meant to, that's not how we're meant to live. And the second is the ditch of despair. Some of us, we live in this ditch where this is what despair means. It means this, complete loss or absence of hope. Despair means there's just no hope. It's like you throw your hands up in the air and you're like, all is lost. Jen, I don't see in light at the end of the tunnel. It is hopeless. There is not a way forward. So there's the ditch of denial and the ditch of despair. But guess what? Scripture actually prescribes a better way of living in the between. 
And here it is, okay, I want you to, if you have your notes app open, get ready to write it down. If you don't, I encourage you to open up. You can download the City First app and all of the notes are on there for you. Seriously, it's so nice. And you can just open that up when you come to church and you can have the notes right in front of you. You can actually enter in extra notes if you want. But so I want you to be ready because what I'm about ready to tell you is going to change everything, okay? Here's the prescription of living in this between. You ready? Here we go. Praise. Amen. All five of you are excited about that. And I can kind of sense a little bit of the disappointment in the room when I say that. Because you're like, wait, wait, wait a second. I need a little bit more than that. I, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Jen, don't give me a simple spiritual answer for my complex relationship with brokenness. Because if we were really honest in this place, if we were all truly to take out our luggage that has all of our heaviness in it and unpack it, it, it it's not pretty, right? It's, it's heavy. It's complex. So you're like, Jen, praise seems too simple for my complex situations. So I want you to stick with me here, okay? Because I think we're going to learn something about praise that might actually surprise you. And you might actually walk out here going, huh. I believe what she's saying today. Not because you believe what I'm saying, but because we're going to look at God's word and kind of see how we navigate this between. We're going to be looking at, um, really looking at the book of Psalms today. And the book of Psalms is called the book of the praises. Okay, it's the book of the praises. There's 150 psalms, okay? It's, it's a rather large book in the Old Testament. It's all songs that were written by many different authors, some of them David. Um, and then we're going to look at one today that's written, actually Psalm 77, by a man by the name of Asaph, okay? So it's, it's this, this, this is what the psalms are. Now, there are many different types of praises in the book of psalms. There's Thanksgiving psalms that are saying, let's thank God, give thanks unto God. There's other kinds of psalms that are renewed calls to praise, like it's telling us it is time to praise God. Remember, you can praise God. And then there's the reasons for praise. It lists out the character of God. It, it, it talks about the wonders that he's done. It calls us to um, praise him because of his wonders. But I want you to know today, the largest category of psalms include some type of this word. It's called lament. Lament. And here's the meaning of lament. A lament is a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. A passionate expression of grief or sorrow. And do you guys know, and I did not know this before studying this, about two-thirds of the Psalms include lament. Two-thirds of 150 psalms include some form of heavy grief or sorrow. And I want you to think about that. Two-thirds, okay, of the praises have this passionate expression. Two-thirds. I actually, the more I thought about it, the more I thought, that's kind of how life is, isn't it? One-third of life is amazing. The other two-thirds is a full, full of grief. <laughs> lots of heaviness. Lots of things we're navigating. The Psalms have ranges of emotions. There's joy and happiness and gratitude. And then there's thanksgiving. And then there's awe and wonder of who God is. There's hope and trust and relief. But there is also a lot of lament. Lament is pain and hurt. 
anger and bitterness, disappointment, remorse and sorrow, a questioning, a longing, and agony almost. And I don't know if this surprises any of you. It surprised me when I studied it. Why? Why did it surprise me? Because this, this whole two-thirds of the Psalms having lament, sorrow, and grief, it seems so in contrast with living a life of faith, right? Because we usually think of praise as something you do when you are glad and joyful. You're like, praise God. That's right, right? People be like, it's a good day. Praise God. You know, it's not usually associated with something so heavy. But for the people of God in Scripture, praise was something far deeper than a good feeling. It was beyond things are going great. It was beyond a good feeling. Praise could happen in the heavy, dark moments. The heavy, especially in the heavy, dark moments, because we all experience them. Praise is for the between. It's for the between. It's for where we live. And praise isn't just the fast song at the beginning of the service. Pastor Sam says, amen. <laughs> it's not just the fast song. It's not just clapping or raising your hands or singing. That's not what praise is. True praise is when we bring the whole of life into the presence of God. When we bring all of it, the whole of it, W-H-O-L-E, the whole of it, that means all of it, the good, the bad, the ugly, the amazing, the ug, all of it, all of it, not just the pretty polished parts. See, in the Psalms, the authors brought the whole of themselves into the whole of what they knew about God, what they understood about him. They came into his presence, not setting their lament aside, but bringing it to him. Sometimes standing, sometimes kneeling, sometimes weeping, sometimes wondering, sometimes just waiting. <laughs> and there are a number of different reasons why we lament as people. The first can be the heaviness that we carry. The heaviness, that, the things that we're walking through, the things that ache in our heart. Then we can have a heaviness because of the things that we've caused. Maybe there's a remorse or a regret that you carry. You miss the mark, which is, that's what the word sin means in Scripture, by the way. Just, you miss the mark. Man, when we sin, sometimes we leave, we, there's stuff left in the wake, and we can feel heaviness because of that. The third thing is the heaviness of others we love. Some of us were walking closely with somebody that we love deeply that's walking through something heavy, and so you are experiencing that heaviness. That's one of the reasons why we can lament. And then, the last thing is the heaviness of this world, the injustice, the state, of all, the state of it all, right? The praise of lament is powerful because it says no matter what types of these heaviness we carry, although my circumstances are true, who God says he is is also true. It's like living in the tension of, these, of both of these. Yes, the circumstances are true. I'm not living in the ditch of denial, but I also, who I know of God, what I know of God, what I understand of him is true as well. 
I'm going to give you a resource today. It's called Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. It's a book, um, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy by Dr. or Pastor, sorry, Pastor Mark Rogop, and you'll see his name in a second, so you can write it down there. I'm not going to spell it out for you. But in his book, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, this Pastor Mark defines lament as this. He says, lament is a prayer in pain that leads to trust. A prayer in pain that leads to trust. Very purposefully written. It's a prayer, which means you're addressing it to God. In pain means you are carrying something heavy that pulls us out of the ditch of despair, out of the ditch of denial, and sets us on a path towards trust, more trust. He also says this, to cry is human, to lament is Christian. To cry is human. Yes, we're all going to cry, but to lament is Christian. In other words, as believers, we process our broken relationship with this world differently than those who don't yet know Christ. It doesn't mean that we're better. It just means (laughs) that we've experienced Jesus, and because of his word, he gives us a path to take and, and a pattern to follow in how we navigate this broken world. See, lament isn't just the expression of emotion. It is actually a very purposeful, meaningful act that is meant to lead us to a desired outcome, and that is more trust in God. More trust in God. That's the ultimate goal. Most psalms of lament have a pattern that goes something like this. It starts out like this. God, things are rough here. I'm struggling. It seems like people are against me, they are mocking me, life isn't fair. God, it seems like you're absent, that you've forgotten, that we need your help right now. (laughs) This world needs you, God. Hello, God. Has anybody ever said, hello, God? I mean, how long until you show up, Lord? Do I have to wait forever? These are words of the Psalms, everybody. So these are like, it starts out with this heavy expression, but then there's usually in the Psalms, there is a transition moment. It can start with words like this, yet, and then it goes into things like, yet I will trust you and keep praising you no matter what. I've seen you come through and you'll do it again. You'll do it again. So there is this honest, heavy-hearted expression, right, where the writers of the Psalms, they find themselves in all the feelings, all of them. And then there is a transition word, like yet, like I just talked about, yet, it can be the word and, it can be the word but, it can be like even so, but those words, those transition words, guess what they do? They shift our attention from the problem to, to the promises or the goodness of God. Those words, they shift the the lament. They're very, very important. So let's look at, we're actually going to look at Psalm 77 today. You guys can read through it later on this week. We're going to pull out portions today that actually show the pattern of lament. And it gives us a pathway, a pattern to follow when we are experiencing the heaviness that we will encounter Because we will encounter it. Jesus didn't say, when you come to me, you will have no troubles. He said, in this world, you will have troubles, temptations, struggles, but take heart. I have overcome the world. 
And he gives us a pathway of what to do in this between, this tension that we feel. The first part of the pattern of lament is this, to recognize. Recognize God's presence. In other words, turn towards him in prayer. This is where lament begins. Turning towards God, not away from him. Not avoiding him. Not giving him the silent treatment because of what we're having to carry. How many of you know someone who is really good at giving the silent treatment? Some of you are like, I would raise my hand, but it's my neighbor. But then they'll give me the silent treatment, and I don't want to deal with that right now. I used to be really good at giving the silent treatment. But this is the first thing that differentiates emoting from lamenting. It is where our cries are directed. It's really important. It's where our cries, our emotions are directed. See, there's a really big difference between um, the authors of the Psalms. What they did is they cried out to God, not about him. They cried out to him, not about him. It's important because there's a big difference. Even in the raw state of emotion, God says, guess what he says? He says, bring it to me. I can take it. I can take it. And I want you to think just for a moment. Okay, I, mean, I want you to think of somebody who's walked through something very difficult. I want you to think of them taking this step to actually turn from what, from, from not giving God the cold shoulder and actually turning their attention to them, him. I want you to see what kind of faith that that takes. It takes huge faith to do this. I think it's incredible. Actually, I think it's so incredibly beautiful. And I've gotten to walk with so many of you through that journey of where you're like, it is, it is hard. And sometimes, can I tell you, God is so kind. And sometimes all we can manage is from going to this to this. And he can take that. Because then what happens is you just do a little bit more and a little bit more. It's the direction. Keep moving in his direction. You know, in the middle of the deepest pain, you turn towards him. That's the beginning of lament. You know, I stood right down here a couple of weeks ago with an incredible woman in our church who um, is walking through the darkest days of her life. And I have watched her turn her prayers and her attention, recognize the presence of God, even when she, what she's walking through. And I told her, I, I mean, I literally, I, and I can't, this is not just my words. I literally, I, I, I took her face in my hands and I said, I am so proud of you. So proud of you for showing up, for leaning in, for doing the turn, even when you, even when it's been difficult. See, because we see this example, like I said, in Psalm 77. Let's see what the psalmist, how he starts out with his recognizing God. He says, I cry aloud to who? To God. Aloud to God. Okay, there's not a typo there. It's supposed to be there twice. You know what that means? Serious about this. It wasn't just once. It's twice. I'm letting you know as he's writing, okay? This is like Taylor Swift lyrics here, but long time ago. All right? When you say something twice, there is a, this is serious. I cried aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. So he addresses God. What does it say then, though? When I remember God, I moan. 
When I meditate, my spirit faints. See, you can see the psalmist Asaph here, that's his name, is directing his lament to God, addressing him, right? But I want you to notice something else. It isn't pleasant. It's not pretty. What does it say? It says he moans. His spirit faints, which means this, you guys. It's not easy. It's not easy. He's like, this is hard work to make the turn, but it's worth it. See, sometimes you recognizing him, turning to him, will be a yell. Sometimes it will be a whisper. And sometimes it will simply be, I can't even speak. But I'm going to open my hands. I'm going to make a turn. I'm going to bow my knee. And, and the heart of God leaps when you do that. Do you know that? He's like, yes, exactly. Turn your attention towards me. So first we recognize God's presence. Then we do this. We verbalize. We verbalize. We verbalize what we are feeling and what we are experiencing. Let's go back to Psalm 77. How does this psalm continue? It says, he's got some pretty big questions here, okay? Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at the end of all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? These are some loaded questions. Can you sense the exasperation in his voice? You know, like, okay, where's your, your compassion run out, God? Your graciousness, it's, it's gone. It's a, I mean, have you forgotten about us here? You can sense the exasperation. This is raw, and this is unfiltered, and this is honest. Honest, you guys. If I'm not mistaken, it sure sounds like Asaph here is doing this. He's complaining. Does that sound like complaining to you? It is. And some of you are like, amen, finally something I'm good at, Jen. Let's talk about it. I'll give you some complaining. All right, let's go. <laughs> and others of you are like, am I allowed to talk to God like that? Like, can, I, can he really? I mean, I can talk to him like that all throughout the Psalms. Honest, guttural. Just all out there, the whole of life. See, part of lamenting is complaining, but here's the deal. It's not the final stop. It's not the final stop. Scripture gives us permission to describe and explain and express our deepest emotions to him with honesty and humility. And I am so grateful for a God that can offers that. And he's there for us. He can handle it all. Anger, frustration, doubt, remorse, grief, sadness, fear, worry. Anybody in here feeling these things? <laughs> Amen. We're all going to feel these things. And can I tell you today, even Jesus complained. He vocalized his despair on the cross. Let's look at Matthew 27, 46. What does he say? Jesus, my God, my God. Two times, right? 
Aloud to God, aloud to God, just like Asaph. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is Jesus, okay? The Son of God. He is expressing his deepest gutter, the whole of life. This is what I got right now, God. My God, my God, why have you left me here? Do you not see? This Mark Rograp in his book, he also says this. Lament calls us to keep talking to God. Keep talking to God about your pain instead of allowing pain to become a pit. Because at the end of the day, we've got two options. We can either sit in a pit or we can say, listen, we're going to keep praising God. We're going to keep lamenting. We're going to keep talking to him. And that will help us move beyond the pit. It'll help us move beyond the pit. Not right away. It's going to take time. It'll take time, right? But keep the conversation going. Tell him what you're experiencing and what you need. He's big enough to handle it. So we recognize, we verbalize, right? We recognize that God's there. We turn to him. We verbalize our deep emotions and feelings. And next, we emphasize. What do we emphasize? The character of God and the acts of God. You remember when we were talking before about how there's that transition word of yet, and, but, or even so that we talked about? Um, This is when they make an appearance in the emphasize. After we've poured out our heart to him, we have our yet moment. And let's check out Psalm 77, his yet moment, Asaph's. It says, then I said, this is my grief. There's the word, yet. Everybody say yet, yet. Yet I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will, you see a theme here? Meditate also on all your work and ponder on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holiness. What God is as great as our God. You are the God who can do wonders. You have declared your strength among the nations. How amazing. Can you, can you sense a shift? There's a shift here where he's like, yes, I have poured out my grief. And I poured it out to God. But then there's that moment where he says, yet I will remember. Yet I will meditate Yet, I will ponder. Those three words are powerful because we meditate, right, on how God has come through in the past. We remember how God has come through in the past. And we meditate on what Scripture says about him. And we ponder on his promises, what Scripture says he will do. So we remember. And I love the, I love the, the firmness of his, of his, like, announcement. I will remember. I will ponder. I will meditate. It's like he's telling his soul, right? Yet, I know that God is good. Yet, I know he will show up. Yet, I know. I will, I will, I will. Sometimes in lament, the shift happens when we start to focus on who God is and it reminds our spirit It reminds our soul that we are not in despair, but that God is close. Lament gives allowance for the complaining, the verbalizing of the pain. It is necessary 
But it doesn't end there. We meditate. We ponder. We remember who God is. And I want to encourage you. You can actually read through the Psalms. There are 150 of them, like I said, and you'll see all throughout Scripture, but it doesn't just talk about the lament. It also gives you, shows you promises of who God is and, and what he will do and start writing those down and hang on to them. Remind yourself, have your yet moment. You know, there's been multiple times in my life where I've had yet moments. I want to share one with you today. I want to show you a picture. It's... Um, it's me holding my third son, Paxton. It's the first time I held him. And uh, many of you who don't know, our son Paxton, third son Paxton, was born. He's 12 now, which is crazy. Time goes too fast, right? But he was born with Down syndrome. And this is the first time I held Pax. It's the first time I looked at his sweet little almond eyes, his little blonde hair that you can see in his little fingers that were poking out of the the old, grungy hospital blankets that they've used for 150 years. <laughs> See, this was an incredibly emotional moment that was taking place. It was very quiet in the room. The only thing I, other than my sniffles were the sounds of the hospital equipment that I was hooked up to because of my C-section. See, about two hours earlier, we had heard the doctor say, it, sound, it looks like your son has traces of Down syndrome. And then we knew at that moment that everything was different. Life had changed. And Jared and I went on a journey. We had all the feels, okay? In, even just in that moment, we had all the feels. We had absolute joy. Joy, I mean, gosh, he was our boy. And we loved him so deeply, so deeply that there was an ache in our heart. But I also felt other things, like fear, fear for our future, fear for his future. What did it look like? I felt alone. I had doubt. I was like, man, God, what are you, what are you up to here? <laughs> I had questions. Will I be able to care for him the way he needs to be cared for? What does the future look like? All the questions. And I'm always really careful when I talk about this moment because I so want to honor Paxton because he is the greatest gift in our life. He has changed us. And it's, it's beautiful. But I also think it's okay to say that we were scared and, and blown off course, to be real honest with you. And the next couple days for our little family were filled with lots of emotional moments and questioning. And in the hospital room, I began to play some worship music. And can I tell you, this was my recognized moment. It was, and here's the deal, you guys, you're recognized. I want you to, some of you are like, well, did you start like standing up on your hospital bed and worshiping the Lord? No, no. You know what mine was? It was this. It was this. Press the music. Turn on the worship music. Recognize. I recognize you, God. And I'm going to, here I am. I am, I'm a mess right now. <laughs> I'm going to recognize. Push play. Then I poured out my heart to God. I expressed my feelings, my fears, my anxieties, my insecurities, my doubts, and it was raw. You guys, I wept. I wept. The poor nurses <laughs> that had to help me. I wept. I verbalized 
So I recognized and I verbalized. And then it took a lot of courage and a lot of gumption. <laughs> I started to actually remember to how God has pulled through for us in the past. And I opened up the Bible and I started to write down scriptures that talked about peace and talked about grace and talked about purpose. And I started to step out. And I remember, you know, especially in Matthew, it talks about, you know, uh, just basically you got enough strength for today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Worry about today. I started like just, okay, God, I'm hanging on. I'm hanging on. I was emphasizing his presence. I was emphasizing what he can do. I was emphasizing what I know God, his character, that he is good and he is kind. I was, I was emphasizing, so I recognized and I verbalized and I emphasized. And can I tell you what happened in that holy hospital room? <laughs> you wanna know what that was? It was praise. It was praise. It was a praise of lament. It was a God, I don't get this. I did not sign up for this. I'm scared, I'm worried, and all the things. Yet, I will praise you. Yet, you are good. Yet, I will lift my hands. Yet, I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Yet, and can I tell you, that is not just for pastors. That is for you today. That is a message for you. The path of lament, the language of lament is for all of us. Again, it doesn't have to sound perfect and pretty. Just do the pattern of lament and see how God leads you. He picks you up out of denial, picks you up out of despair, and he leads you on the path of trust. The road might be longer than you want, but it's the path. It's the path that we live in the between. So if we could do this, we could all stand to our feet just for a moment. And I'm going to ask, as your pastor, okay, as the firm mama of the house for a moment, no leaving unless it's an absolute emergency. We're, 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 we're on time. Because what I believe is going to happen these next few moments is a, is a sacred moment is a holy moment because today we've been given a tool to, to address the, the heaviness that we feel. The heaviness that we carry is people. And so we're going to take some time and we're going to sing a song. It's a praise song, but we're not going to get loud and we're not going to get crazy in here. We're simply going to sing it quietly and we're going to have a moment in here where we recognize and maybe we verbalize and then we emphasize the character of God. God, I've witnessed it. I've witnessed your faithfulness, and you will do it again. You will do it again. And there's, we can all praise in this room. So here's the deal. If you're in here and you're not carrying anything heavy, guess what? Log this message because something will happen at some point. And if life is perfect and good, well, guess what? You got all, all the reason to praise too. All right, and we're with you. We're your family. We rejoice when you rejoice. But then there's some of you in here, you're carrying something so heavy. And this is the first time you've ever heard, God wants to hear my stuff? Yes, he wants to hear it. So today, even if you whisper it under your breath as we sing, 
And then have your moment where you say, God, I've witnessed it. Some of you, this will be the first time you lift your hands in worship because you're going to say, God, this is my yet moment. Yet I've witnessed it and I will see you do it again. Some of you, this will be the first time maybe lift your hands here. It'll be the first time you talk to God. So let's in this next moment, let's just sing to Jesus. How in is your faithfulness? I've seen you breathe life within, so I'll pour out my praise again. You're worthy, God, you're worthy of all of it. Your promises never fail. I've got stories I live to tell, so I'll pour out my praise again. You're worthy, God, you're worthy of all of it. You're good and I've witnessed it. You're strong and I've witnessed it. You're constant, I've witnessed it. And I'm confident I'll see it again and again. You love and I've witnessed it. You heal and I've witnessed it. You save and I've witnessed it. And I'm seen it again and again you're good and i've witnessed it you're strong and i've witnessed it you're constant i've witnessed it and i'm confident i'll see it again and again you love it i've witnessed it you heal it i've witnessed it you save it i've witnessed stories I live to tell, so I'll pour out my praise again. You're worthy, God, you're worthy of all of it. Yes, Heavenly are. Father, we're so grateful for your goodness. God, and we stand before you today, God, with our heaviness. God, the things that we carry the hurt that we carry, the pain, the struggle we carry, maybe from remorse, maybe from regret, maybe it's just a heaviness that we carry, the other people carry, that we're, that we're, share, we're carrying that burden with them. God, we just say thank you so much today for your word, which gives us a pattern for the between, where we live. God, we cannot wait to live in your presence. No more, no more tears, no more mourning, we can't wait. But God, we ask that your presence be near, God, in the between. As we recognize and we verbalize and we emphasize, God, we just pray that your presence would be near. And I pray, God, for my friends. I know, God, because in a room this large and those watching online, there is a heavy, we care, there's people here, here who are carrying heavy things, unspeakable things. 
And God, I pray that as they walk out of here, that they would feel, God, that your presence is with them, that you are near. And God, I pray that you would give them the courage to follow this pattern, to take the small turns, to express what they're feeling, and to have their yet moment in your presence. God, we love you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, every time we gather together, we want to give people an opportunity to make Jesus the leader and they're forgive of their life because there's so many people who are coming to City First that have never met Jesus before. This might be your first time here, maybe you've been come for a while and you've just been checking it out, but you're in here and you're like, Jen, I want, I, I've been carrying the whole of life myself. And I want to give it to God. I'm tired of living life my own way. I want to turn from my own ways and I want to give it to God. And I want to repent of my sins, turn from my way and follow Jesus. And if that is you today, whether you're in the room or watching online, I want you to go ahead and lift your hand. Just say, today is my day. I want to make that decision. There are hands up. And I know there's hands online. So what we're going to do in this next moment is we're all going to pray a prayer together so that those who are making that decision know that there is a company of people who are praying with them as they make this decision. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, today I choose to follow you, to make you the leader and forgiver of my life. I receive your gift of forgiveness, of grace, and a new life. I turn to you today, Jesus. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.